The following Dharma talk was given by monastic Shoan Ankele at Zen Mountain Monastery. Shoan is a Dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, everyone at home. Um, Shugen Roshi's on vacation this week, so I'm filling in. Ah. I'm just going to go for it. So you ready? Knock, knock. Me. Just me. Just. So, one thing that I have been looking at again for, um, you know, the hundred thousandth millionth time is um, in the face of so much suffering and pain in the world and in ourselves. What is this practice of sitting down, being still and quiet, turning our attention in. It's a strange response from a certain perspective. Kind of beautiful in its strangeness. Is it effective? One thing that's been striking me in a particularly poignant way this week um, is, you know, in the morning, because there isn't a teacher present, there's no canton, and so the whole resident zendo is seated and still and ready, and then the jikido comes up and offers that stick of incense before the period begins. Ordinarily, it would be shugen roshi. Um, and uh, this week, because that's been the form, and because of where I've been sitting, I have just felt it so like, oh, like, before we begin this period of sitting silently and just being present with ourself, there's an offering that the timekeeper is making an offering on behalf of everyone, behalf of those of us who are in this space, behalf of anyone who's joining us from home. What is that offering, you know, if I were to put words to it, what would I, how would I express that? I was thinking it's like, may this time, this period of zazen, you know, they offer a stick of incense before every single period. Before every single period, they come up and they offer a stick of incense. May this time where we sit quietly, still, with our attention just here with what is, 
May it be used in service to heal, to be of benefit. And then the period begins and we just sit still. We have our practice, but it's a variation on just be present with yourself now, unconditionally present with whatever arises. And when you depart, just come back. And I guess, like, (laughs) the mind-blowing thing is that that is transformative. (laughs) And it can be transformative if you are just a complete beginner and you are just sitting down and being with yourself in that way for the first time. And if you take it up as a practice and continue it for years, decades, it continues to transform. And it's not because of us. It's because of the nature of reality and the nature of us. Not because of some special quality that we might have. I've been thinking about how um, kind of tender, and I guess not just thinking, but feeling into how kind of tender and vulnerable zazen is when we're really doing it. And as we just sit for those periods of time and are just present with what is, we experience, hopefully, a growing capacity to open and be with, stay with, settle into, do less, do less, till we're not doing anything. But this vulnerability, you know, I was thinking about how, like, wow, like, actually there's a way in which Zen training is training us in how to be completely vulnerable, completely exposed, not dressing anything up, just being with ourself and what's happening. And um, I guess... I'm using that word vulnerable because it's been a a bit of a door opener for me. But of course, words are tricky because um, we can understand them in different ways. So I'm not talking about vulnerable in terms of like, just like raw emotionality, which is actually a state I know very well. Um, But I'm talking about a quality of being that is um, undefended, undefended and undistracted that is actually in touch with our experience, which is actually in touch with what we speak of in Buddhism 
as emptiness, groundless, ever-changing. In her book, Everyday Zen, which is one I go back to again and again, so homage to Charlotte Joko Beck, um, who I never met in person, but who I feel is a um, teacher for me. Um, she has a section in one of her uh, sort of chapters where she's talking about what, what practice is, and she describes zazen um, as just a practice of, you know, sitting and you like feel the muscle contract in your shoulder, and then you feel, um, you know, your breath catch, and then you notice that you're worrying about something and you come back to the pre- So she sort of like does a little like vignette that's like, this is, this is you sitting zazen. And then um, she talks about, she says, our interest in reality, she says, this is actually extremely difficult. I don't want to leave that part out. This practice of coming back and just being with what is, is actually extremely difficult. Like, how are you doing right now? Just curious. Right? It's like, who wants to be with what is? She says, our interest in reality is extremely low. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We want to think. This is what humans be- human beings do, and we don't just do it sometimes. We do it most of the time. Why do we do that, she asks. We do it because we're trying to protect ourselves. What do you think? You buy that? We're trying to rid ourselves of our current difficulty, or at least trying to understand it. And then she goes on to say there's nothing wrong with our self-centered thoughts, except that when we identify with them, when we think that's me, then our view of reality is blocked. And I would adjust that ever so slightly to our experience of reality is blocked. So vulnerability, the word itself comes from the Latin root, which means to wound. And we are so easily affected. Sometimes I marvel at how um, sensitive human beings are, I mean, I can only go from my own experience, so I'll use an I statement, how sensitive I am, right? How easy it is for my mood to turn based on just the slightest cause. And just as quickly as I can feel myself feeling negative or critical, something can happen and it uplifts. <laughs> um, in, in, that, in the book Karma that we're studying, the Sangho, Kyabgan Rinpoche says, it's important to recognize that the Buddhist notion of karma does not entail ridding ourselves of bad karma in one fell stroke. It is much more a matter of wearing things down. It's that last part. It's much more a matter of wearing things down. Practice. 
period after period? Can I just be present with what is? Zazen becomes a container, in a sense, for us to experience our vulnerability. Nothing else happens, right, in Zazen. I mean, something, those, those things sometimes fall from the, the shelf, the backseat things, or, you know, the monitors Kiyosaku, or maybe says something, or someone comes in or goes out. I mean, little things happen, and actually we can make a really big deal of them. <laughs> Just goes to show. But... Um, It's created so that we can just be with ourselves. I think Joko calls uh, Zazen a very simplified space. The um, poet David White says, Vulnerability is not a weakness, a passing in disposition, or something we can arrange to do without. Vulnerability is not a choice. Vulnerability is the underlying, ever-present, and abiding undercurrent of our natural state. I think of teachings on impermanence and interdependence, certainly on emptiness. We are so vulnerable, completely destined from the very beginning to lose everything, that we love, 100% guaranteed, 100% guaranteed. The second you come in, that's known. You'll lose it all. And sometimes our life is marked by incremental loss, sometimes by catastrophic loss, sometimes by both. But 100% for sure, we're going to die. And that's the big vulnerability piece. And of course, from a Dharma perspective, this uh, recognition that we're losing and will lose everything also raises this other really beautiful, interesting, vulnerable-making question of like, did you actually ever have it to begin with? What is it that we have? What is it that we have? Always just this moment of our life. That's it. And then, of course, it turns out that life is just a series of moments. There is no such thing as your life. I think this point that Joko makes about how um, we use our thoughts as a buffer for our um, uh, interest in reality. What does she say? We're not very interested. We we think to protect ourselves, Um, to get rid of our current reality, Maybe it's just that I'm bored, I'm sleepy. Maybe it's something more um, tenacious and loaded. 
but you know that instruction in zazen um, that when when you have like a persistent um, or obsessive thought like a thought that you can't let go to try and drop in underneath the story that comes from this recognition like often we go to thought to protect ourselves from the feeling and we can become extremely entrenched in our our thinking about a thing and if we can look to see often in my experience that obsessive thought is there to cover over a feeling that is extremely vulnerable often painful in some way so when we actually can let ourselves experience the discomfort then we can loosen the obsessive thinking we can be liberated That discomfort, you know, the great lengths that we go to to avoid feeling uncomfortable is like so um, humbling to see. Um, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Um, I was thinking about that, you know, I went to see my, my brother and um, his partner and my little two-year-old nephew, Miles, the cutest human being on the planet. Um, And he is, uh, with some prompting and conditioning, developing quite a strong interest at two in superheroes. Um, My brother is really big into superheroes. And um, I was thinking about superheroes, like, you know, and their different superpowers. And, like, what if there were a new superhero who was, like, their superpower was their capacity to just like be uncomfortable. Like the great and mighty uncomfortable one. And like they were just unfazed. It's not that they didn't feel those feelings. It's not that they were impervious. It's not like the man of steel or anything like that. They would actually feel all the feelings, but they would just like tolerate it. So like difficult conversation, like call the great uncomfortable one. They'll save you. No problem. I've got this. Could I talk to you for a minute? (laughs) You know, it's like no matter like how potentially humiliating the situation or how awkward or how threatening to our sense of self, our sense of identity, um, no matter how like filled with like constricting, pounding energy we may be or uh, sweaty palms or choked throat that that that. It's just a feeling. And we can learn and train ourselves and change and heal our karma. And this, this to me, circles around to the teaching of um, one flavor, which is like a teaching that I've encountered in terms of like, you know, advanced meditation practitioners or or um, practitioners who have seen completely through the nature of um, the self can experience all of experience, the highs and the lows, the great discomfort and the ease as one flavor. And you know, what is this flavor? Well, that's the live experience, the live experience. It's beyond, um, beyond words. 
And, you know, I'm definitely not saying that we should be um, turning toward or taking up situations that are actually a real threat. I just want to say that sometimes we do need to defend ourselves or we do need to avoid a situation or protection actually makes a lot of sense. I'm talking about when we notice that the threat is to our firm sense of who we are, that like solid ego, we say. And then we can see like, okay, through vulnerability, what other options do we have? If we do have an entrenched karmic habit or pattern, then um, what is it protecting? It's probably protecting us in some way, right? We've learned it from early on as a um, strategy. So if we're uh, not afraid of being uncomfortable or, or we're, you know, leaning into that edge in our life, we open up a lot more possibilities. And this is liberation. This is liberation. Liberation isn't just some like theoretical, you know, extremely exalted Buddhist state. It's like, are you free in your life? Can you help other beings? Can you take care of yourself? Can you cease from evil? Practice good? Actualize good for others? Even when we do like our prostrations at the beginning of service, that is quite a vulnerable full body gesture. And I'm sure that's in part what makes people sometimes very uncomfortable with it. They need to feel a sense of trust in, in the space, the form, before they're willing to prostrate in that way. I get that. And because we can lean into our vulnerability, where now we can like make contact, actually, with um, this formless reality that we are with emptiness to give it a word and we have full freedom to transform so we can be a fearless dakini and then really insecure the very next moment you know as I was um, working and trying to work on this talk, the theme of vulnerability kept coming up for me, I think because I've been feeling really vulnerable. And, um, and, and because of that, I kept being like, uh, not that, uh, not that. And finally, I had to just, um, you know, take my own teaching to heart, as it were, and be like, okay, like, let me turn towards this thing that's making me uncomfortable. I say as I take a sip of water because my mouth is dry. So I've, I've been feeling really vulnerable around the whole, like, Dharma holder thing. And um, just, like, all the feelings that that brings up for me, you know? And it's like, great, I don't have a thing in my <laughs> sleeve. It's cool. Got a lot of material here to work with. Um, (laughs) 
But like, uh, yeah. What to say about that? I don't know. Um, I guess like, I guess maybe that's enough, you know? I've been feeling really vulnerable about that. And, um, and, you know, I notice that it's like, okay, like, you know, what is it that goes through my mind? It's like different thoughts. Um, am I ready? Am I worthy? Do I deserve it? What do people think? <laughs> what do people expect? What are people projecting? Do I like that projection? Is it something that I would want to like live into? No, I am not interested in living into anybody's projection. Knock, knock. Me. Just me. And you know what the crazy other side of that is? It's like, who is that? You know, you say like, I say, just me, and it's like, um, oh, thank you so much. It's like warm, too. <laughs> um, I say just me, and it's like, well, who's that? Who is that? Who is that? That's the crazy other side. Ah. You know, and so far, newsflash, there's no answer that you get to. <laughs> there's no one there. So who am I? Someone was asking me in face-to-face um, -face teaching about supernatural beings because um, of some things that I've said, and um, I was thinking more about that later. You know, it's like, is this a creation of my mind? Well, what, what does that mean? Do we think that that, like, invalidates it? Like, guess what, then? Everything's invalidated. It's all a creation of your mind, actually. So then, are there bodhisattvas? When we supplicate prajnaparamita, who are we reaching out to? If we can be in the vulnerable space of that as a live question, we are making contact with something very real. The only thing, actually, that is very real in that deep, deep, deepest of ways. So moving into our own authenticity, our own genuine experience, allowing for all of our feelings, we touch our aliveness. We heal. 
we transform our karma. We open up new, fresh possibilities for how to be and how to be with each other in relationship. You know, maybe you've been in like a group context where there's like, you know, a group meeting or something and it's like kind of canned and tinned and stiff and then someone breaks through, someone's like real, they're vulnerable and it just changes the whole energy. Like that's what we can give each other when we're within our own actual experience. And what does this have to do with, like, the crazy world? You know, there's a lot of different ways of looking at and looking deeply at and understanding the troubles and the ills of the world today. And I do find that if we look deeply and make it very personal, we will see how different seemingly impersonal sort of structures and forces, capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy, are actually coming out of very, very deep fears, very human I guess we say greed, anger, and ignorance in the Dharma. I definitely, yeah, each of those words opens up into a whole chasm. So it is connected. It's a particular way of working. Um, We need the sort of frontline change makers also but to get to the root. I'm doing this um, workshop with the uh, Soto Zen Buddhist Association. Seku's doing it with me. It's called Many Communities, One Sangha. And it's um, about uh, issues around diversity and equity and inclusion within um, Buddhist sanghas. And it's just a a short five-session series, and I'm just two sessions in, so very beginning. But I was very struck um, yesterday, someone in the um, uh, Zoom room offered the observation that um, she was talking about Zazen and, um, well, actually, there there was a whole bunch of interesting stuff but I'm just gonna keep it narrow, okay. So she was talking about Zazen as um, her practice uh, and um, how she had really used it as a way of dissociating. And then she made this connection, which I am like super familiar with and I feel like maybe some of you would be too. Um, So rather than being present with our experience as it's like actually happening and feeling our feelings and being with our breath, we learn how to shut off and exit. So we're kind of like not present. We're training in not being present, um, which I think is fairly normal. 
and maybe just part of the um, practice that we can work, work through hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, so if, if you see yourself in that, there's no cause for alarm, but um, something to bring up maybe. Um, and she was saying that she saw that white supremacy culture trains people to dissociate. That that is a, that is a, uh, a quality. And um, I had just never heard anyone make that connection before. I'm sure it's not unique to her. Um, but wow, did that really land with me. I thought, oh... And um, many of you and many of us here in residence have studied at least a little bit the work of Resma Menachem, um, who is looking at uh, healing American racism through um, understanding it as a, uh, how, how it lives on as trauma within our bodies, um, no matter how we identify and um, his book is My Grandmother's Hands. So a lot of us here, I think, are, are somewhat familiar with that. And um, this, so much of his work in, in My Grandmother's Hands and in other forms is about like being with your body and like being with your experience. And when you're having an uncomfortable feeling, like learning how to be with it. So much of his anti-racist, undoing racism work he's a black man, um, comes from this understanding of we exit, we dissociate, and, and the wound continues. And so what are we transmitting? You know, What have I inherited as a white woman about learning how to be um, in my body, with my feelings, with my experience? And then, you know, so there's the, the transmission of capitalist, white supremacist, patriarchal culture. Um, and then there's the transmission of the Dharma. I mean, there's lots of other transmissions, but you get, you get where I'm coming from. I'm sitting in a particular seat. And the transmission of um, the Dharma, like, be with your life as it is. Don't turn away. Can we take that up as like a living koan? What does that mean? What does that mean? It doesn't just mean what it sounds like. It's so, uh, just keeps opening. Be with your life just as it is. You know, the, the, the last point that I wanted to um, make in this context is just to talk a little bit about the role of self-compassion. And self-compassion, you might think of as like, how do we relate to ourselves when we are the ones who are struggling, when we are the ones who are in pain or having a difficult time? And um, I actually have this, this workbook that's like on developing self-compassion. It's something that I learned about, and I was like, oh, what do they teach? And it's like very, um, it's totally secular. 
uh, presentation, but it's like so infused with Buddhist teachings. Um, and they have an exercise in there where they say like, okay, I want you to imagine that you're with a friend who you really care about, who's like having a hard time. Like, what do you say to your friend? How do you speak with them? How do you sort of like talk to them in their trouble? And then the next piece is like, okay, now think of a time when you've been struggling, when you've been having a hard time. What is it that you say to yourself? How do you talk to yourself in the midst of that struggle? And if we notice there's a stark difference, then um, we can do some work around befriending ourselves in our own vulnerability, showing up for ourselves as that good friend to ourself, to be kind and accepting of our own humanity, We need to be able to do that with ourselves so that we can offer that to others. So there's this beautiful poem that I um, discovered, and then it's by a, a Russian poet, Anna Akhmatova, who I had never heard of, and then I did a little bit of internet research, and it turns out she's extremely famous and considered one of the greatest women poets in Russian, Russian history. She's a 20th century poet. Um, she lived uh, under Stalin's regime, and her family was very persecuted, um, and her own life she struggled quite a bit, and she um, wrote about that in her poetry, um, but this poem is of a different flavor. And there's something about it that feels like a good end cap for vulnerability. So you see what you think, okay? A land not mine, still forever memorable. The waters of its ocean, chill and fresh. Sand on the bottom, whiter than chalk. The air, drunk like wine. The sun lays bare the rosy limbs of the pine trees. Sunset in the ethereal waves. I cannot tell if the day is ending, or the world, or if the secret of secrets is inside me again. I cannot tell if the day is ending or the world or if the secret of secrets is inside me again. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about the monastery's programs, weekend retreats, and residency, please visit our website at zmm.org.